Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic, cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend and say positive things about us. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. If you've not yet given us a five-star rating or a positive review, pause this recording right now and please do so. Follow us on Twitter at, at @clergylate and join our Facebook discussion group. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother Chris, a faceless priest. Chris, how are you? Uh, pretty good, despite being faceless. I don't know. You're just like a like a floating sea on my screen. So, hmm, floating sea. Okay, uh, Kirk. I'm just kidding. I'm great. Uh, what I was thinking about, I was a little bit distracted there. Uh, we have a document, a Google Doc um, that we use to um, to kind of plan our episodes. And it occurred to me that because you're reading from the Google document, um, the intro, that I could mess with that some week and just, just try the whole Ron Burgundy thing for uh, an outdated reference. I um, am Ron Burgundy? Exactly. Very nice. If there's a question mark in there, I have to say it, right? Yes, that's how you inflect, um, inflect that. So, Kirk, um, tell me, uh, what is it, uh, the word you would use for something that is surprising and kind of a bad thing. For instance, I went out and there was a bear in the yard and then I came back inside. It was a blank. Was a Help me out here. Trephastrophe. Trephastrophe. Trephastrophe? A word that I was previously unfamiliar with. Yeah. A good w word. Were though. you, have you, is this a word that you're familiar with? Uh, no, uh, it was my six-year-old daughter's expansive vocabulary um, as she was reaching for the bon mot, just the right word, uh, the mot juste, rather, not the bon mot, the mot juste, the, the, the right word. Um, and uh, she pulled out of her verbal bag, trephastrophe. And I asked her, I said, uh, huh, that's a really good word. Can you define it in a sentence? And she said, yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to remember. She said, yeah, I'm, I was chasing the bear and then the bear was chasing me. It was a trephastrophe. And, uh, and, and Christopher, I knew it involved a bear. I just couldn't remember exactly what it was. I, yes. I, uh, I've, I've, uh, I have some verbal, uh, facility. Um, and yet this rather obscure word was beyond my experience. And so I crowdsourced it 
to uh, to 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 you and um, and you and Jordan did helpfully narrowed it down. Uh, what did what, you came up with? Two possibilities. What did you come up with? So Jordan said she thinks maybe catastrophe, and I was like, or maybe travesty. But that that would be maybe a a pretty not a big word, but just a difficult word. Travesty, like that's not a word that six year olds use all that often. So that was our guess. Um, but Kirk, you, I mean, you sent us recordings of of her trying to even say catastrophe. It was a crazy adorable. Um, and uh, I honestly, I think you should insert that audio right here or at least some of it done will do all right daphne um daphne just asked me a word and i want to crowdsource this with all the haber people because i'm not quite sure what the word is daphne what was the word you were asking about trafastery trafastery can you use it in a sentence it wait sorry sorry um the Bear chased us. We chased the bear. It was a trafastery. Okay, and is it what? It, what does that mean? Was it the was the situation scary, sad, surprising? Surprising. Okay, so trafastery means surprising. All right, interesting. Let us know, guys. We uh, we're trying to figure out what the word is. Over and out. See, I told you it was cute. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it, it was remarkable. Uh, and we were doing, you would approve, Christopher, we were doing very, very fall things. You as a lover of all things autumn, we were doing kind of the final yard work. Um, I was doing the final raking so that I could apply the final fall treatment to the lawn. Uh, the, 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 the received wisdom is that over the course of October, Every cut is shorter and shorter until you give it its final buzz cut as the last cut of the year, and that's how you like winterize the lawn. So, um, this is this is just kind of what the what the seasoned old old men tell me, and so this is mm. some this is what I'm doing. So we were doing fall and, stuff. We had rakes, yeah, and as we were having this discussion. And Kirk, we are um, we are making the transition in, in many ways. Um, as the weather changes, your boys are done with baseball. They're done with um, sort of the the summer sports and moving uh, into fall sports. Daphne's starting skating. Um, we're, we're doing all the fall things. All the fall things. Uh, last football game of the high school season is this Friday, and I'm kind of ready for it to be done. Um, it's not actually. Wait a second. Wait a second. You're you're referring to the marching band, as in your son's fault, because because. The school you teach at, they're they're going to continue into the playoffs. Oh yeah, yeah they will they will go march yeah. deep on into the playoffs. I'm talking about the district in which I reside, in which my my sons play in marching band. So, um, I, and it's not actually going to be as cold. We we had, I don't know if you had this as well. We had a cold stretch in the the first half of October. We had like several Friday nights where it was like weird, windy, spitting rain, and like in the 40s. Um, and that's great if you're playing football. Um, but if you're just kind of standing there for two hours, it can be uh, less than yeah. fun. Yep. Yeah. So I think it'll be a lovely night and we'll we'll kind of be we'll kind of be done with it, ready for November things. Um continuing on through your favorite season. Pivoting mm. pivoting from um uh, uh from, from from pumpkins and Halloween and the, the smell of fires on cool nights to um to just kind of bear 
bare trees and and leaves on the ground and and beginning to anticipate Thanksgiving that that terribly sadly overlooked holiday right like where are the Thanksgiving inflatables in people's yards right? this is this is Puritan erasure I say why, in, why are we well pil the pilgrim let's let's not pilgrim conflate erasure. the pilgrims and and uh, in fact yeah but but let's uh, if I were to choose one I'd choose the Puritans over the the Puritan, separatists the pilgrims you know sign pilgrim yes. yeah oh. how but um but yeah like let's like let's all get our um buckle hats is there a name for those the hats with the buckles on them I don't know, but um, my hats certainly are lacking them. Sometimes I just want to buckle my hat and I reach up to buckle it and it's not there. It's very frustrating. Indeed. Uh, but um, yeah, if if uh, my trip to Costco last night was any indication, yes, we go directly from Halloween to Christmas. Um, to <laughs> hey, have you heard about the turkey shortage? Are you anticipating this? Have you made contingency plans? Uh, I have not. I've um, not anticipated. I've not heard about it. I've not made contingency yeah, plans. So in, in the continuing unspooling of unintended supply chain stuff, sure. Supply chain, COVID, yada, yada. Um, uh, do you remember like last year that the, the strange series of kind of low level domestic terrorism, uh, unexplained um, attacks on uh, processing plants in the Midwest? This should have been a big story for you guys. I don't remember poultry, this at all. Yeah, poultry processing plants on fire. There are multiple poultry. Anyhow, I don't know if it's related. But uh, get your turkey now. Um, all right. Headlines. I, I'm just going to – I'm Googling right now. Turkey shortage 2022, and it immediately it pops up. Um, one day ago, Washington Post, avian flu is spiking, taking out millions of holiday turkeys. What is a holiday uh, turkey? Um, USA, are we now erasing Thanksgiving as well? Uh, maybe, may, you know, maybe they're talking about turkeys for for that, you know, the holidays that they talk about you know, Thanksgiving that, through that, Christmas, that maybe. Uber Uber trad outlet that USA Today dares to name the holiday, saying Thanksgiving turkey prices may soar this year. Here's why. CBS News, Thanksgiving turkey, turkey sell out. Here's how to reserve yours now. Um, so I'm just just throwing that out there, Christopher and and dear listeners. I I will surely um get my turkey soon, so I don't need to. I mean, if 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 there were a a crowd at um the store, uh, and it was unclear like why everyone's waiting in line, um, you'd want to find out why, right? I'd want to be able to see what's going on and it's good to see it's good to make it's good to see think outside the box would you would you like maybe climb up high and and try to try to kind of peer above everyone and i'm not skilled enough to shimmy up a a, a lamp post so i would probably look for a tree to climb much like a, a wee little man named zacchaeus
Today's gospel lesson comes from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Kirk, we're we're um, I think I mentioned this last week. How intense, um, how intensely of a theme we are starting to see that Luke is doing here. That we are are really at this point in the year, having gone through the parts of Luke that are the life of Christ, and then going back and going through sort of the teachings of Christ that we missed as we walked through the life of Christ. We are seeing these um, strong themes. Um, I've highlighted before how um, in Luke 15, we have, um, you know, here it ends with the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. In Luke 15, that's really emphasized in these three parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And, uh, And just in 17, 18, and 19 here, we just see God's heart for the sinner. And uh, Kirk, I think um, I'll, I'll say this: that that each uh, person who preaches, uh, there's pressure put on him or her to emphasize, um, to to have a specific takeaway for the listener. That we're not just passing on information. Um, we're told that we ought to give somebody a response. We ought to with our sermons, elicit some sort of response. And um, some pastors wrongly will, um, I don't know, like look at um, the story of Jacob's ladder and we'll preach on like how, you know, we are, we also will ought to climb up the ladder. And it's like, no, that's not what happened. Like angels descended, ascended and descended. Like God, God came down the ladder. Right. Um, and, um, you know, same thing with the, uh, Zacchaeus, um, that people may uh, point to Zacchaeus's actions as exemplary, that like it was somehow meritorious for him that he climbed up in this tree. And I just want to to. Um, oh, interesting. Very, I have never encountered that. Very that, strongly that, op- oppose that. That way of reading this exists, huh? I don't know how common it is, but I could see how in our contemporary church that people would be like, seek Jesus, climb up the tree, be like Zacchaeus, you know, much as, you know, people 
uh, preaching on Daniel might. Um, Kirk, you and I have a favorite theolo- uh, a theologian who is a, a favorite of ours who um, uses that as an example all the time. How like some preachers erroneously um, right. preach, dare to be a Daniel. Right. No, like that's not the message of scripture. Um, and what's going on here is we had a sinner. And I think we've talked many times before about why tax collectors in particular were not only sinners, but were were hated. Right. Um, that they uh, were collaborators with the Romans. Um, so uh, the Romans were bad, 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 bad. Um, and not only that, the, the tax funds went to f- fund their feasts and their pagan temples. And um, so not only the fact that they collected taxes on behalf of the Romans, but also they enriched themselves by mm-hmm. over collecting. Um, so Zacchaeus, uh, not only was a wee little man and a wee little man was he, um, but he was a bad man. And so there, um, there's nothing that he does here in these opening verses that uh, is worthy of, of emulating. And yet, what does Jesus say to him? Uh, he says, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. That's right. Um, or if you know the song, um, uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And um, Jesus said, uh, I am coming to your house today. So the, uh, the ESV says, I must stay at your house today. Just but I love the, the fact that like. read the uh, King James to you. Um, for I must abide at thy house. <laughs> abide at thy house. But this, this not only just a sinner, a notorious sinner, who wasn't standing climbing a tree because um, we don't know why he climbed the tree. For all we know, he was literally like, "What is going on? I can't see." Um, there's a spectacle that I want to uh, see. It, it doesn't say that like he was cut to the heart by the message of Jesus Christ. He just wanted to see what was happening, and Jesus turned to him this notorious sinner who had done nothing to respond to like to God to like say, God, I accept you. Like God, Jesus came to him. Jesus comes to people who are far from him while we are yet sinners. Christ died for us that Jesus looks at this sinner and he's like, I'm coming to your house. And not only this, this hurt um, Jesus reputation. Um, And of course Jesus was called a, uh, glutton and a drunkard that Jesus right. um, was was many times criticized for eating and drinking um, and not only that for doing so with sinners um, that that the, the thought of doing so was was um, Kirk it was a kerfastrophe a total catastrophe. <laughs> no one ought to to um, dine with sinners to share a table would be endorsing um, not only endorsing their sin but also like it would be like uh You'd become unclean by by um share by by sharing a table and sharing a meal with somebody who is a, such a notorious sinner. But of course, Jesus doesn't become unclean when unclean when he comes in contact with unclean things. Jesus cleanses all, and um, so Jesus sits down and has a meal with somebody who has done nothing, done nothing. Um, uh, Jesus does everything, right? Yeah. Um, this man has not yet repented. And, and something at this meal, um, Jesus' message, uh, uh, Zacchaeus does respond in verse 8. Um, and uh, this, this we see sort of uh, the uh, response, that he has probably heard the gospel, he has been convicted of his sin, and, and he restores things. He said, 
I'm going to not only give half that I have to the poor, uh, because those matter to God and His kingdom, um, but also if if He is to, if He is over collected, He will restore it fourfold. So He's not just saying I'm going to repay you; He's He's going to restore fourfold. Um, and uh, we we get this great um kind of cap on the end of verse ten. Uh, for anyone who's going to criticize him for eating with a man who is a sinner to go be the guest of honor of a man who is a sinner. Jesus says in verse nine, and then going into 10 today, salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham as in like this, this guy who was once a sinner has now been restored. And then verse 10 is this powerful message. All of us for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Kirk, Jesus, Jesus came to save sinners because that's the only kind of people there are. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, notice, um, notice once again, uh, once you have eyes to see it, the order of um, calling uh, restoration and good works, right? Mm. Um, mm. Jesus does not reward Zacchaeus's giving half his goods to the poor with a uh, with a visit to dinner. Um, the visit to dinner mm, is yeah. apropos of nothing, right? Um, God chooses and chooses, as you say, sinners because sinners are the only kind of people they are. Um, not because we loved him, but because he loved us, right? To quote First John. And it is being in proximity and being loved by Jesus, being loved by the Lord of all, being loved by his very creator and the source of his being, that is, it is able to change his heart and give him the ability to give away half his goods to the poor. Um, and, and notice the, uh, just not just half his goods to the poor, but notice the overwhelming gratitude. Um, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Um, it's remarkable. Uh, I, I, I just, that leapt out to me. Um, generosity is, uh, is, is something that I notice in other people because it is not something that I often have in myself. I, um, this is complicated. Uh, we're not putting me in the couch here, but I oftentimes have fear and, um, concern about, uh, about money. And, uh, and I have difficulty unclenching my hands. And notice how what, the way, when God touches uh, the heart, um, how generosity um, uh, explodes forth. And I don't know, this, I don't want to make this, uh, to, to, to force this verse to say more than it does, but I have noticed, Christopher, I've begun to notice how um, generosity is a mark of, um, of, of, of people who have been profoundly changed by, by Christ. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this in other people, but the, some of the most generous people I know are people who have, who have had kind of a, a life-changing experience or conversion, or, or even just like um, cradle Christians who, are, who just ev so evidently bear the mark of Jesus' love. So I just find that, that interesting. Um, and also the last verse, uh, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, um, that is a that is a a, a great consolation. Um, over the course of the week, um, 
as the work week grinds me down, um, as I wonder at my value, as I um, am feeling uh, angry and ineffective, uh, impatient, um, as I wonder uh, how how much my students have learned, uh, how how good of a learning atmosphere um, my, my classroom is, how good of a father I am. Man, it is a relief for me to read that verse, for the Son of Man to, mm. came to seek and save the lost. Because oftentimes by, by the end of the week when we're recording, Christopher, sometimes I feel kind of lost and ineffective. So mm. that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a great reassurance as well. Yeah. I kind of banged on and on about about um, this passage here. Uh, we have we have a, a fun additional topic, Christopher. Do you have any any final thoughts on Jesus and Zacchaeus? No, let's move on to our um, theology segment. theology segment today is uh, something that's really fun, really near and dear to me, and that is All Saints Day. And here's why, Christopher. All Saints is the patronal feast day of my parish. All Saints is celebrated on November 1st, though it is often translated by many parishes to the first following Sunday. Um, perhaps larger parishes do celebrate it. Um, on, on November 1st. Today, November, or this year, November 1st, falls on a Tuesday. Um, the first evidence for November 1st as the date of celebration um, and as broadening this feast to include all saints and martyrs occurred during the reign of Pope Gregory III in the 8th century, um, who dedicated a chapel in St. Peter's, Rome, on November 1st in honor of all the saints. Um, in 800, All Saints Day was kept by Alcuin uh, on, uh, on November 1st, and it also appeared in a 9th century English calendar on that day. So as English-speaking Christians, we, can, we too can trace it very far back over a millennium. In 837, Pope Gregory IV ordered its general observance. In medieval England, the festival was known as All Hallows, and that may start to sound familiar, right? And its eve is still known as Halloween, which is sort of a corruption of All Hallows' Eve. Uh, the period from October 31st to November 2nd, All Souls' Day, is sometimes known as All Hallowtide. And Christopher, it's one of the seven principal feasts. Uh, and it uh, traditionally begins at Vespers on All Hallows' Eve, October 31st, right about the time the neighborhood kids are showing up in costume to ask for candy. Uh, well, maybe, at least in normal places like, you know, 
out here in South Dakota I'll and tell Minnesota. You what, but sir, but in we are Pennsylvania, trick or treating for the on Halloween. Time. On Halloween, that's right. Um, well, my wife would ask me, "What what night is trick or treat?" I'm like, "I don't understand what that right. means." I, I, yeah, yes, I have no <laughs> idea why in Pennsylvania the two were disconnected. Um, They're like, "Okay, trick or treat on the 29th." Okay, right. I'm just explaining to the listener what I'm saying. Yes. Many of the traditions Continue. surrounding All Hallows, All Saints, and All Souls, um, or as we call in our prayer book, the Feast of the Faithful Departed on November 2nd, have been confusingly condensed into one of these three days. Um, and like I said, uh, like I said before, and I'm quoting now from our prayer book, the Book of Common Prayer 2019, um, if a church so desires, it may celebrate all saints, quote, on the following, on the Sunday following November 1st, in addition to its observance on that fixed day. So Christopher, I have a bunch of thoughts that I've jotted down here, but I want to toss this over to you first. Um, you, I, I think from a distance, from afar, share a fondness for All Saints, um, and All Saints uh, Parish was part of your life as well. Uh, so I don't, you can go in any direction you want. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts uh, this year as we approach All Saints Day, November 1st? Well, uh... Kirk, um, you know, you and I are not cradle Anglicans. Uh, and so many at, at some point we uh, decided like not to, we're not cradle Anglicans. So each of these things do not go that deep with us other than like maybe mentioning, oh, it's All Saints Sunday. Right. Um, we didn't have all, many other commemorations of things like this or, or um, but I mean, we would like it would be there. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, we had to kind of grow into it. And I think part of, um, what was attractive to us is, um, this growing sense of Catholicity, not in, uh, the sense of, of connecting our traditions and observances with those on the earth today, but with going back with the with the ancient church that's like we should appreciate this because this has been a thing for christians forever or at least for a very long time yes so you know you and i had to kind of learn like what does it mean to commemorate this thing to commemorate all saints and it happens to be one of the seven seven principal feasts um yeah seven yeah uh seven principal feasts of the year and so like um some of these they like you and i had to like grow into and um you know, uh, of some of these uh, principal feasts, uh, or not even principal feasts, but like some of these days, uh, like the, the, the baptism of our Lord, um, Easter Vigil, and Pentecost, and All Saints are, are days that where it's especially appropriate for baptisms. And so, um, for instance, at our church, I, I will be baptizing uh, four children of a family um, that came to us from a Baptist church. And there's they're kind of like in the middle of like understanding themselves as being connected to this bigger thing that God has done through His church, right? Mm -hmm. um, and as as they've done that, they're like saying, um, "Ah, here's here's an opportunity for us. Like we haven't we, we've put off baptizing our kids. This is going to happen now, and um, it's it's a beautiful thing to celebrate um, baptisms on this day as." Um, as uh, this day, Kirk, I'm going to give you the most uh, galaxy brain, um, <laughs> half baked, okay. um, like oh, garbage millennial opinion uh, right now. 
Are you ready for this? Okay, go ahead. So, All Hallows Eve and All Saints, um, in in just the uh the, the preparation and then the celebration of those who um those saints who have died um and uh as as father andrew defusco pointed out um, when he came on our, our podcast kirk he said there are none who are dead in christ right um so this and this is what makes it a millennial opinion um because like i don't think you and i growing up knew there's such a thing as a half birthday but i think um younger people like they've you know it's my birthday month it's my birthday week it's my half right. birthday um it's kind of like the half birthday of easter Okay. The Easter is this day of celebrating the resurrection and and um here um not quite six months later, but um we have sort of this um preparation uh on, on the day before um and thought of the dead um while also um celebrating like all saints is a celebration, not not a mere commemoration of those who have died, but a celebration that there are none dead in Christ, right? Um right. that they have been raised to new life. Um in, in Christ. And so in that way, like it's, it's this interesting, significant thing of, of celebrating. Um, and again, like you said, um, we've kind of merged all saints and all souls. Um, so like, who, who are we commemorating? Not just all the saints that, uh, as we cleaned up our calendar and we don't have like Saint this and Saint that on the calendar, but we celebrate all saints, but we also celebrate all, um, uh, Christians who have gone before us. And as, um, Anytime we see um, the word saint in the Bible, I, I I don't know if this is exactly true. There might be a synonym, but most often when um, Paul writes to the saints in the church and blah, 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 the word he uses um, that's translated is the holy ones, to the holy ones. Oh. And he's referring to all the Christians in that place, right. that you, Kirk, are a saint and I am a saint, not because of our our particular um, saintly works, but because of what Christ has done for us. Mm. And um, so that's a very significant thing um, uh, to commemorate those who have gone before us, those beloved and those unknown. Um, and and uh, as we celebrate that, we also think of particular ways that those saints um, have um, kind of uh, exemplary behaviors, uh, much like Zacchaeus climbed the tree. I'm kidding. Um, but like we have particular um, saints that, that, uh, that we do hold up their life and teaching so that we may um, be inspired by that inspired to good works. Uh, surely Kirk, um, you've got a line from for all the saints um, to quote for us. Oh, uh, no, perhaps we can get to that. I, I do. I do okay. for all the saints. Um. So for American Christians, you're right. I think this feast day is, is mostly an afterthought if they even know about it at all or celebrate it at all, right? Um, but for for most of uh, Christian history, it played second fiddle only to Easter. Um, and I've always thought that there's a certain logic to Easter and All Saints being kind of the two great holy days of the church. Um, because at Easter, we mark and celebrate the fulfillment and completion of Christ's life and work, right? And at All Saints, we mark and celebrate the completion of the Christian's life and work, right? So mm -hmm. I think that's really, really neat, kind of two sides of the same same coin. Um, we have at, at, at Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of the bridegroom, and at All Saints, 
we anticipate, we celebrate the life of the bride, the church, and anticipate her future resurrection, right, um, in all her members. Um, all Saints, I love All Saints because it's our, our feast day, and so I have all, saints, all kinds of happy memories associated with it, with a big full church, the white vestments, festal music, um, oftentimes Episcopal visits, the bishop will visit, uh, um, confirmations, um, and those are, those are happy things. Um, I also think, Christopher, of the Book of Revelation, which I've, I've had a, we've talked about this before, I've had a flip on. I was terrified of Revelation as a, as a child and as a teen, and now I, now I love it. Um, Revelation, uh, perhaps more than any book in the Bible, paints a vivid picture, right, of the coming of kingdom of God. Um, and traditionally, we believe that it was written by St. John, the beloved disciple, right? That youngest disciple whom Jesus yes. loved. Um, and as an old man, he's exiled on Patmos, right, this desert island, as punishment from the Roman Empire for continuing to preach Christ crucified. Um, uh, but the Lord's not done with him, right? He's uh, uh, Many of the disciples end in, in, in martyrdom, but John kind of lives on. And Christ appears to him, and a remarkable thing happens, right? John writes, I look, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And Jesus said to him, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. That's great, right? Christ pulls back the mm -hmm. this present world and reveals to John what is actually happening in heaven right now um, with uh, the faithful departed, with the saints and martyrs, and what will happen at the end of days. And uh, what John sees and records is a great comfort to all of us, right? He sees a multitude which no man can number from every nation, tribe, and peoples, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They're clothed in white robes, we read, that have, um, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And when John asks about everyone wearing the right, right robes under the altar, He's told who are that, these? Yeah, who are these? You know. You know. <laughs> they are they, they are them who have gone through the great tribulation and have washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. So I remember Bishop Duncan uh, years ago once pointed out that our word tribulation comes from the Latin word tribulum, which is the word for the threshing floor, where the grain is ground down into flour. So the word itself, Christopher, is a metaphor, right? If you're going through a tribulation, you are being ground down. <laughs> um, so I just mentioned before uh, the, the last verse from the gospel in Luke today being a great comfort to me um, during a hard week. Uh, we are going through the great tribulation, Christopher, right? We are being ground down until we are finally ground down into the ground, right? Um, but on most Sundays, uh, we meet in church and to wash our robes white in the blood of the Lamb, uh, who gladly poured out his blood for us on a humiliating cross, right? Um, so while our robes are being washed white in the blood of the Lamb on Sundays, they're not; those robes aren't visible to us now, right? Um, it's uh, we 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 see by currently by faith right now, um, but we are promised that they will one day be visible when we are raised again, um, because we have been bathed in Christ. Right? 
So this is our bond between those saints below and those above, right? As we'll sing about in, in all the all those great hymns on All Saints Day. Um, it's the bond between we the living and the faithfully departed. Um, so when we say saints, like you said, we simply mean all believers who confess Christ as their only hope. Um, and I think I mentioned this to you before, Christopher, right? Um, it is why we Christians call our holy meal, holy communion, right? There's a, there's a really mystical double meaning to that word communion. It's both um, horizontal and vertical. Yeah, it's a communion with Christ, um, a vertical communion that bonds us with, with the Lamb. Um, but it's also communion with those deceased believers who have been washed in his precious blood, right? We commune with them too. Um, and Christopher, you're probably very- Oh, blessed communion, fellowship divine. Right. We feebly struggle, they in glory shine. Yet all are one in thee, for all are thine. Alleluia. You tricked me. You tricked me into quoting for all the saints. I set you, you up. just did there. Um, but Christopher, you probably know from our from our proper preface, not our proper preface, well, our, our preface for um, Sundays during Trinity, right? Um we say, and, and with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we forever sing and praise your holy name, singing, right? Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. Um, this is a song that is being sung currently mm -hmm. in heaven, right? And and in communion, we join with them, right? Right. We join with angels and archangels and all the, all the company of heaven. Um, Christopher, there's a, there's, you and I love the service of nine lessons and carols, right? Um, and there's this great line, um, during the bidding prayer, the, the prayer after the opening, um, opening hymn, um, once in Royal David city, uh, and, and it, I, I, I don't have it written down, so I'm, 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 I'm riffing from memory, right? So we are united to a multitude, which no man can number though they be upon another shore and in a greater light, right? Isn't that the line? Their hope was in the word made flesh, right? Whose, who, whose hope was in the word made flesh, right? And with them, and now I'm, I'm just adding on this, right? And with, and on All Saints Day, we are reminded that with them, we are forevermore one, right? So there, there are many, many and verbose uh, thoughts on, on, on All Saints, um, well, let me um, let me cite the proper preface for All Saints. Actually, do you want to read that, Christopher? Since it's more proper coming out of your mouth, as a as a sure. as a priest licensed to celebrate Holy Communion. Um, do you see it there on on, on our yeah on our, on our doc? Yeah. For in the multitude of your saints, you have surrounded us with so great a cloud of witnesses, that we rejoicing in their fellowship may run with patience the race that is set before us and together with them may receive the unfading crown of glory. Interesting that, that um, they use the word patience rather than perseverance. Right. Or, or I'm sorry, with endurance, sorry, endurance, is, is the yes. word that, that uh, many of our translations have. Yeah. But that's a glorious weaving together of different scriptural passages. Yeah. Mostly Pauline. We also have Hebrews in there. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, noting um, how the church militant, right, us on earth, and the church triumphant, like we're 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 all <laughs> we're all one, right? And they they have won the race, 
Um, and so now they surround us as so great a cloud of witnesses, right? Um, and we, we, we may, with patience, run that race that's set before us. You and I were talking a little bit about, about um, Halloween, right? As, so as American Christians, this All Hallows Tide, uh, we kind of have, have, have separated into bleeding chunks, right? Uh, we don't know what to do with All Hallows Eve. So we basically, American Protestants don't celebrate it at all. Um, it's kind of become a, a secular celebration. Um, and, and you you recently had had kind of an encounter with this, hadn't you? Mm-hmm. Did you want to say something about that? Uh, sorry, but my attention was diverted just momentary. <laughs> say something about just like the, the aversion of, yeah, of Halloween. The aversion in, in yeah, American yeah. Culture. So, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, we, um, we are in an era where um, usually sort of the, the dominant culture is uh, people in the dominant culture are shamed. Uh, one of the worst things you or I could do would be to be guilty of cultural appropriation. <laughs> yeah. So um, here's the thing. Um, there are some Christians who are, are have not been raised in, in sort of um, with an awareness of the great tradition who are unaware that Halloween is a Christian holiday. Right. Um, that it has roots in All Hallows' Eve, and even the dressing up portion of it has Christian roots. Um, and um, who has appropriated Halloween and scared Christians? Um, uh, people who um, worship wicked things, people who worship the devil or demons or, or witches or this or that. And so there, um, the, there's erroneously out there the sense that um, that Halloween is like the that to observe Halloween would be to to celebrate the devil, um, and and I mean this has come out um, significantly in like in in um, church in some Anglican churches locally, um, some parishioners complained that that there were um, Halloween outreach events. Which Kirk, I I think every church should do a Halloween outreach event. I mean, I we think churches should do processions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, indeed, but like, our, saints. sure, but as just like a, a relational hospitality, right. um, what, what we do is um, it can be cold here on Halloween. And so um, we used to do it at our, at our, at a house. Now we're doing it um, at, at the building we use for uh, our services. Um, we're going to set up a fire pit. Um, we're going to hand out hot apple cider. We're going to hand out bags filled with candy and um, church information there. And we have, we'll have our signs up. We're doing this in the name of, of our church. And what's nice is when it's cold, people can come warm themselves over the fire and we can talk with them. Because yeah. um, once a year, we go door to door um, inviting people to our Easter sunrise service because that's like the one time a year that that's kind of a welcome thing. Uh, but if we went door to door frequently, um, that would not necessarily be welcome. However... Once a year, everybody comes to your door, and that's Halloween. It's like a prime time. Like so, even if your church doesn't do it, you, um, uh, you Christian, um, in the name of Christ, um, have this wonderful opportunity to bless those in your neighborhood relationally, um, and uh, and just help continue that conversation that God has already started. Anyway, sorry. That's that's like my missional rant of like using yeah. Halloween um as this way to connect with our neighbors, these people who are far from God. Um 
but also like a, a defense of like we can do this without feeling like we're like conceding to the culture. Right. Um, yes, it's it's essentially the the, the um the holiday or I shouldn't call it a holy day because it's not anymore. It's it's become kind of drained of its of its kind of um Christian uh Christianness. Uh and, and yet like we can we can hand out candy without fear of celebrating the devil, knowing that like that it in at its base, like they appropriated it. And so um so Christian, feel feel fine handing out candy and dressing up. Kirk, I, I do have my limits. Um a few years ago, um, my daughter wanted to be a witch for Halloween. Mm. And I I was gentle, but I held firm. I said, no, I, I, I don't want you to dress up as a witch. Um, because witches are real things. And you, you my dear, are not a witch. You're a Christian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the tradition of witches and ghouls uh, and, and, and cats and ghosts and etc., um, that comes from a, a, a rich medieval tradition of morality plays. So before the movie theater, um, uh, traveling actors would, they're called players, uh, would, would, would tour uh, regions, would tour countries, and they'd come into town and they'd put on kind of seasonally appropriate um, plays. So, you know, during, during Lent or Holy Week, you'd, you'd get a, um, a play of The Passion of Christ. And during All Hallows Tide, you would get um, uh, you you would uh, you would have pant it would be a morality play pantomiming the folly of a life of unrepentant sin, and so you would see the souls of the damned writhing in agony, and that's where the tradition of ghouls and and, and witches comes from. And, and, and these were morality plays, right? So it wasn't up with witches, right? Um, at the end, you would see them like in satan's grasp and sure it would be a reminder sure. to turn to christ and to and away right. from evil so i'm still uneasy about just because no, it no longer has that either. yeah 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 but yeah. i'm just i'm i'm acknowledging that the church lost control of this holy day right as right has right, of, right. Of many holy days we're watching in slow motion in the last hundred years as the church loses control of christmas right um mm -hmm. now but i think and this is where we can maybe kind of um, make our ease our evangelical uh, brethren's um, consciences consciences on this matter like you not no christian right now is saying oh it, uh, christmas has been so commercialized i'm not celebrating it right we right. still say logically like no we know what Christ christmas is and so i think we can say like no we know what all Hallowside is right <laughs> we are giving giving thanks to god that of his promises um, for those faithful departed um, we pray for them, and um, and we pray that we may fight the same race and win the crown of glory that they have won. And I think that 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 we can walk in two gum at the same time in that regard. So, um, uh, I I also think of Martin Luther uh, in "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God." Um, this verse, Christopher, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us, the prince of darkness grim. We tremble not for him, his rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure, one little word shall fell him. Um, mm, yes. And, and, and so uh, 
you know, that's that, that, that's why I have I have no trouble um, enjoying um, uh, jumps and scares and and Halloween and trick or treating and candy, um, uh, because because I know that the Prince of Darkness Grim his his doom is sure, and one little word shall fell him. I'll also say this: um, Halloween uh, is an acknowledgement of the supernatural. And a lot of our modern world is a denial of the supernatural. And if you can get someone to acknowledge that things really do go bump in the night, um, they're closer to the kingdom of God than the, than the cold scientific modern who believes that this barren universe um, has, has no meaning, no purpose, and is entirely devoid of good or evil uh, or any spiritual entities. I think that's true, too. Yeah. Um, do you have any any other thoughts about Halloween? I know we had we had thought maybe about uh, talking about All Souls Day, but we are we are out of time. Um, any any other thoughts? Yeah, I I would like to. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> let's let's close in prayer. All right. The Lord be with you, and with your spirit. Let us pray. Grant us, Lord, not to be anxious about earthly things but to love things heavenly. And even now, as we live among things that are passing away, to hold fast to those things that shall endure. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, you govern all things, both in heaven and on earth. Mercifully hear the supplications of your people. And in our time... Grant us your peace through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the, you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk. Next week. 